It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. You have to wonder if James Harden is really a long-term solution for the Sixers in Philadelphia. It is Chris Carlin. It is Chris Canty. And for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. What up? Nothing much, big fella. I appreciate you wearing the blazer because you knew I was doing Get Up this morning. You knew I'd be suited and booted. So in a show of solidarity and support, you came with your blazer and collar shirt. I appreciate that. I mean, this is quite literally the least I could do, and I did that for you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. It matters, right? We starting off that. this new partnership. We want to be on the same page. Exactly. 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 We've got so much to get to, including the far-off-in-the-distant, way-too-early NFL draft possibilities for next year with Todd McShay, if that makes sense. But right now, off of last night, let's roll. Here we go! Go, go. Only one place to start. This is a blue-collar team, a foundation and organization that has won championships. So they know what it takes to get there. We just did what we were supposed to do at home. Um, We're we're so talented all the way down our, our rosters. Everybody's so confident. It would be nice to see it, though, James Harden, in the second half of games in particular. Chris, it's funny, you know, yesterday you and I on our new show, Canty and Carlin, weekdays, 3 to 7 p.m. Shameless plug. By the way, (laughs) we're talking extensively about James Harden and whether or not he was actually still capable of carrying the Philadelphia 76ers in a series like this without Joel Embiid. And this, in most ways, was really a copycat of Game 1. Terrific first half, second half disappears, one for five from the floor. I don't know what James Harden is going to bring to the 76ers long-term if you can't even really give them a sniff right now. Yeah, James Harden can't be a force multiplier like we saw him down in Houston. He's incapable of making guys around him better. And the thing that's most disturbing, Carling, is that he can't get the shot selection that he's looking for. Like, he can't drive past people, so it doesn't make his step back that effective. We know that he wants to be more of a shooter from uh, off the bounce as opposed to catch and shoot. And so his resistance to playing off the ball, I think, limits what this Philadelphia 76ers team can be when they don't have Joel Embiid on the court. So that's got to be a huge concern for them moving forward. And with the reports seeming like they're more ominous, that Joel Embiid potentially won't be available for Game 3, it it feels like we're starting the clock on Doc Rivers potentially being fired from the Philadelphia 76ers and – starting the clock on the conversation of whether or not you're going to give James Harden that huge $200 million-plus extension. Look, I know after games like this and after the first two games, you have to somehow remain optimistic about the situation, but there is a level of delusion in James Harden when you listen to him after the game last night. We have plenty of opportunities. You know I mean? I think we played a pretty solid game. We gave them, you know, a couple, you know, big offensive rebounds. But other than that, I think we did a pretty good job of just getting off to a really good start and then uh, taking their punches, being an aggressor. I think we did a really good job of that. Things just didn't go our way um, as much as we needed it to. But for the most part, I mean, we're still a confident group and we're going to go home and, and, and do what we're supposed to do. In the playoffs, uh, the series is 
doesn't start till you know the road team wins, and uh, we didn't get one, you know, out of the first two. But go home and take care of business, and we'll be back here for Game Five. Actually, this series is over before you even play a home game. Yeah, because of what's happened, and that's what I'm talking about. This was never a game last night where you thought that the Sixers were actually going to be able to get over the hump against the Miami Heat because we saw it in the first half and even early in the second half. They'd throw some punches. You'd be like, okay, all right, they're hanging in there. But, Chris, did you ever feel like this was a team that was going to get home and be actually able to take control of this game? No, I never felt like that. The Miami Heat were never in danger of losing that game. They weren't threatened at any point. I get it. The Sixers had an early five-point lead, but Miami led by as many as 18 in this game. And here's where James Harden is delusional. In that soundbite, he talks about limiting their opportunities on the offensive glass. That sounds great, right? You allow 21 second-chance points by the Miami Heat. 21! Yep. 21. How much did they lose by again? Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's my point. So all I'm simply saying is when it comes to being that team that can be competitive and win in between the margins – in those games, the 50-50 balls, the things of that nature, like just situational awareness, it's clear that Miami has that in spades, whereas the Philadelphia 76ers struggle. And then on top of that, a guy that's supposed to be your superstar, a guy that's supposed to be able to get it going when nobody else can get it going, is not that guy anymore. I don't know that you can ask Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris to play any better than they did last night nope. or any better than they did in game one. I don't know that you can do that. So this has to be on James Harden and the others. And I'm sorry, Carlin, I just don't see those guys being able to give you the kind of production that you need to beat the Miami Heat without Embiid. And that brings us to some straight talk with, uh, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Chris, this just confirms for me again something that we have talked about on our show. The 76ers cannot sign James Harden to a long-term extension, cannot offer him a long-term extension. You are looking at a player that if you give him a max contract, you are going to ruin your organization over at this point in his career. Mm. You are going to hamstring it. I can guarantee you that the 76ers will not win a championship with James Harden there long term. If he wants to take the money for next year and try to play it out and try to prove that he can still get back to being that guy, great, let's see it. But Daryl Morey has to go against his past in this situation because Harden will kill your salary cap, he will kill the dynamic of the team, and he will kill any possibility of you being able to really progress with two other players who are still very young and one of which is really in the midst of his prime that you cannot waste, that you cannot allow James Harden to be virtually in control of all of that at that point. You can't pay max money to a 33-year-old fringe all-star and expect that you're going to be And this has been an assumption contender. that they would. You can't, but you can't. You can't. You can't, Carlin. So if James Harden does indeed decide to opt out and not accept that $47 million player option for next season, then the only way he comes back with the Philadelphia 76ers is if it's on a lesser deal. And I'm not saying that James Harden is going to be a minimum player. All I'm saying is it can't be max money. And if he won't accept that – if there's somebody around the league that's going to offer him the max, then so be it. You live with that. But you have to try to find a way to supplement the roster using those resources that you had penciled in for James Harden to put the kind of guys around Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey that will allow them to compete at a high level. You need more shooting. You need more defense. That's what they need. Three and D guys around Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, 
I don't necessarily think that that makes them take a step back. I think that they have a chance to contend as long as Tyrese Maxey stays on the trajectory with his overall development. Well, that's where they need to be looking. They need to be looking at Tyrese Maxey as the guy that is their number two long term. Yes. And that. Well, he's their number two now. Carlin, we're saying long term. Yes. He's their number two now. Yes, he is. Yeah. And if you let James Harden go, they will be lining up to come and play with him. To come and play with Maxi and to come and play with Embiid, they will they will be lining up superstars around the league. You could look elsewhere, and one name that would come to mind immediately that would fit with that group perfectly would be Bradley Beal. Oh, he'd be great. I mean, think he'd about what they would need if that's the case. So I can't cry over losing a guy like that. And if he wants to tell me to go scratch, basically. I'll scratch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there are better ways to spend $270 million or whatever it ends up costing in a contract extension. So, yeah, this is something that, that's going to challenge Daryl Morey in, in James Harden's relationship. You know, they're very close. James Harden believes in what Daryl Morey is doing, but that doesn't mean that Daryl Morey has to hand him over a blank check. Here's the other part. If you want to believe for a second that he just hasn't been aggressive enough hasn't wanted to really come in and upset the apple cart for whatever reason. If you want to be a hardened apologist, I look at two stats that would drive me absolutely nuts right now. What's that? 12 straight games in the playoffs, not scoring 25 points or more. That's 12 straight games for a guy that's one of the most prolific scorers that we've seen in the modern era. And then I also look at... And you're missing a 30... Point a night score in Joel Embiid yeah. too, the last two games. So it can't be about that. And yeah. Embiid himself said we need him to be more aggressive. Chris, as a sixer, he has not attempted 20 shots in a game. He has not. James Hart, 20 shots in a game. I mean, that was a light first half not too long ago. No question, no question about it. But here's what I will say, Carlin, because you and I are on the same page as it comes to Harden. But looking at the other side of the argument, people that want to be Harden apologists, He did change teams in the middle of the season. He was coming off a tumultuous situation the last year in Brooklyn, not to mention the way that he forced himself out in Houston. There's been a lot of movement around James Harden's career over the course of the last two years. But but in this case, he 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 wanted this. But I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily lend itself to getting the best version of James Harden. So could the Sixers organization convince themselves – with a full offseason, having a full year in the regular season to get acclimated to what they have on the roster, could that make the difference in terms of the version of James Harden that we get? That's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. It is Chris Canty, Chris Carlin, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So there is the Harden issue but there's also a team issue with the Sixers, too. And a coaching issue. Well, they shot the 8 Sixers. of 30 from three-point land last night. We are going to get They can't it. shoot. We are getting to all of it in moments, including Doc Rivers' future. Is he now off the hook? Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. So what does this all mean for Doc Rivers? We're getting to that in two minutes. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Catch our new show weekdays 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless. With nationwide 5G on America's best networks, Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. We get to Doc in just a moment. First, though, we hit... A phone call because David in Minnesota has got an issue with something I said about James Harden. David, what's up? You're on ESPN Radio. Well, thanks for taking my call. And Chris, I want to know what did James Harden do to you? I mean, you have to be the number one hater of James Harden on ESPN Radio. And the biggest issue is Embiid's out. The most valuable player of the team is not playing. I mean, that would seem to be a bigger issue than James Harden. Well, but and even when Embiid, let's Rivers, talk about this for a second. When Embiid was on the floor last round, he was telling Harden to be more aggressive. So just answer this question honestly. Is giving James Harden at this juncture of his career a max contract a good idea for the Sixers? We don't know. The Sixers may know things. Well, you better know because the decision has to be made right now. No, well, they may know things about it that you don't know, you know, about him and he could be injured, and he's playing. Who knows? But the reality is is that also Doc Rivers, why why so, so much hating on Doc Rivers? I'm not a James Harden or Doc Rivers fan, but it seems like that Daryl Morey is the one that actually made all the trade. He traded the entire team away for James Harden. Shouldn't he be well, the one he to get First fired? of all, Daryl Morey's not going to get fired because he got rid of Ben Simmons. Traded, and, traded the entire team away. Ben Simmons wasn't playing for yeah. you. Andre Drummond was a backup big. I mean, if you want to lament Seth Curry going to Brooklyn, okay, sure. You were getting back James Harden. So I want to be clear. So you thought, now we're talking about the player that used to be James Harden. So we're going to blame Maury for trading away somebody who didn't want to play for him after he did everything yeah. he could to try to make it work. 
and then bring Harden in, but we don't blame Harden at all for playing poorly. Look, And he, we're not going to blame Doc Rivers either, even though Doc Rivers was the one that had Joel Embiid in the game, in game six when they were up by 29, where he catches an elbow to the face by Pascal Siakam. And but we're not going to blame Doc. Let's not blame Doc. Well, Doc certainly isn't blaming no, Doc. No, no, exactly. It wasn't him. <laughs> it wasn't him. No matter what's going on with the 76ers, it wasn't him. His, nick, his, nick, his new nickname is Shaggy. Shaggy wasn't Rivers. wasn't me. Was Shaggy not Rivers. <laughs> not in any way. And look, as far as Doc is concerned, there are mixed signals right now from what you read this morning as to whether or not he's going to be back. And one of the arguments for keeping Doc Rivers, if you can call it that, is that he is getting paid $8 million per through the 2024-25 season. So that's what, three more years? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money, but the last time I checked, Fanatics is doing okay. They're okay. They're solid. I don't see for a minute a reason why that would keep you from moving on from Doc. The biggest thing that would keep you from moving on with Doc is if Joel Embiid wants him to be the coach. If he wants him to be there next season, then Doc's going to be here this coming season. That That's all there is to it. But if you're going to move on from Doc or if the Lakers were to come and actually want to take Doc? Why, why would you do that? Why are you doing that? We'll get to more Lakers in a few Please minutes. Please don't. As a Lakers fan, I know that pains you. Yes. Uh, having said that, if, if Doc was able to move on and it was done somewhat cleanly, that takes away that problem. I, I don't see where $8 million a year with Doc, considering everything that Sixers ownership has put into this team already financially, where that would keep you from doing anything because you now have Joel Embiid in his prime and you cannot waste any more of that time. Yeah, I, I don't – I'll say it this way. I'd rather eat the $24 million that I owe Doc Rivers over the next three years than to stomach paying James Harden on a contract extension and having this version of him while I'm trying to take advantage of Embiid in his prime. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think that Doc Rivers is the coach that's going to be able to get the most out of the guys that they have right now. Now, I'm not saying that this roster is without its flaws, but what I am saying is there should be more of a plan in terms of mitigating the deficiencies that you have when you're missing Embiid when he's not in the lineup. And I haven't seen any semblance of that in these first two games against the Miami Heat. Listen, if Joel Embiid is that important to this team's success, then hand him the damn MVP trophy now. Period. Like, if Doc Rivers can't find a way for them to be more competitive in this series against the Miami Heat, then Joel Embiid is the best player in the NBA. That's a fact. That's what it has to be, Carlin. So it's gotta, you got to look at the head coach. If this team falls short of the expectations, and essentially that's what's going to happen, then you have to look at moving on from Doc Rivers. There's no way you can justify right. keeping Doc if they get swept. But we both agree the biggest issue right now is Harden, correct? Without it, it, taking him beat aside. I don't agree with that. You think the bigger issue is Doc right now than Harden? Yeah, yeah, think about this, Carlin. Think about the teams in the Eastern Conference that are at the top of the East. We're talking about the Boston Celtics. We're talking about the Miami Heat. We're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Carlin, with all of those teams, the Philadelphia 76ers are at a coaching deficit. That's a problem if you're going to try to compete for a championship with Embiid over the course of the next two or three years. But specifically with what's happened this postseason, Embiid's out, so we can't blame Doc all that much. As much as he wants to remind us it's not his fault, 
I don't see where Doc is actually the biggest issue that they have at the moment. Carlin, you were up 3-0 against the Toronto Raptors. Why does that series get to a game six? I don't if that ain't coaching, what is it? If it ain't co- if that's not coaching, then what is it? At some point, there has to be a killer instinct there to put it out, though, doesn't there? On, yeah, on, yeah on but the who's, the one, who's the one supposed to set the tone for that? I agree. Who's the one that's supposed to create the urgency for that? Listen, I think Doc should be out. I'm on that that bandwagon. But when I look at where the problems are with this team, I don't look at him as number one. I'd put him at number two. I'd put him at number two right now, aside from the Embiid injury. But if it's not Doc, Chris, at this point, is Mike D'Antoni really the answer? No, 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 no. no. See, here's where you can't go down this road if you're Daryl Morey. If you're bringing in Mike D'Antoni, it just basically looks like you're getting the band back together and trying to run something back that really never did anything to begin with other than get to a conference final. Here's why D'Antoni doesn't make any sense. Where does Joel Embiid fit in that kind of scheme? That's a great, great that, That's the thing. Whatever move Daryl Morey makes for a head coach, it has to be about getting the most, getting the best out of Joel Embiid, period. And not alienating Dan, him. Dan, Tony doesn't strike me as a coach that's going to be able to do that. It doesn't strike Big, me as Bigs, a coach. Bigs have been afterthoughts with, with Dan Tony. All you're looking for in a Dan Tony scheme with a big man is a rim runner, somebody that can be good in picking roles, and somebody that can defend. That's it. There, there is no prominent feature of the big man in Dan Tony's offense beyond what, those, what I just outlined. So I just don't see Dan Tony as being a fit for what the Sixers have. To me, the guy that they should be going hard for is another coach in Philly. Yeah. The guy that just stepped away from Villanova, you know, Jay Wright, the one that has two national championships over the course of the last six years, go after that guy. And I know that you spent some time down in the Philly area in the sports talk arena, and one of the worst-kept secrets is that Philly has this admiration for Jay Wright, and they want Jay Wright to be their head coach. They've wanted that for some time now. I don't know if they'll get back together with that, if they'll try to figure that out, but that wouldn't be a bad direction to go. No, it wouldn't be a bad direction to go because Jay Wright is a guy that is going to understand how to play to Joel Embiid with his strengths, with what is going to work for him, and and not just that in the offense, but he's going to be a guy that Embiid is going to embrace and handle exceptionally well. He's He's not what I would call a player's coach. He's a relationship guy. That's Jay important. Wright is a relationship guy, and he's going to be a partner in that for Embiid. That's why he would be perfect. Now, he has Mike Sielski, who's a great columnist down in Philadelphia at the Inquirer, texted with Jay Wright within the last 24 hours or so. And, and Wright said, I want to clarify, I'm not coaching soon. But I still believe that would have something to do with the fact that Doc Rivers still has the job. Yes. If it comes available, and he's turned it down before, it hasn't come together before, let's put it that way, if he is the guy that they want, there should be nothing that would keep the Sixers from convincing him to do it. And I I am absolutely in the court of believing that one of the big reasons Jay Wright decided to retire from Villanova is everything that's happening in the college NIL space. So moving on to the NBA finally would seem to me to be the perfect move for him in a city that is his home city and that he loves. I have never thought he would leave that town for any other job.
Well, Carlin, I'll say this. If, if Doc Rivers does get fired, this would be one of the most attractive jobs that we've seen in recent memory. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're coaching a top two MVP vote getter in Joel Embiid, and you have a young emerging star in Tyrese Maxey in your backcourt. Why would you, why would you not want this job? It would be putting a terrible driver in the driver's seat of a Maserati if you're to hand it over to Mike D'Antoni <laughs> with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. I think that's a massive, massive misplay if that's where the Sixers go. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance makes bundling home and auto easy. Learn more at Progressive.com. What does the future hold for LeBron and the Lakers? We get to that in 60 seconds. First, though, Mark Cuban, love, or ha- love him or hate him, he is a game changer. Take the Mavs, only two losing seasons, or him turning 10 grand into $5 billion. He sees ahead of the curve literally a bowler. So when he makes a move, you watch. And he's found a new market with a global value point of $1.7 trillion. Here's the cool thing. We can all get a piece of the action. Up until now, it's been locked off only for billionaires. But now, all we need is a smartphone. It's not betting. This is the way more This is way more impactful. Check it out. It's called Masterworks. They've already got over 360,000 members on their platform ahead of the curve, just like Mark Cuban. Our listeners get priority access so they can skip their wait list. Just go to masterworks.io, enter promo code GREENY, see important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. That's masterworks.io, promo code GREENY, masterworks.io, Promo code G-R-E-E-N-Y. There is no guarantee of profits, and investing includes risk of loss. Here we go with LeBron James. He's the only person that has extreme value, that you'll never get equitable compensation for his greatness. So we got all of that going on. You the Lakers, where you going? You got nothing. So you're moving on from LeBron. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm, I'm having trouble with the notion of LeBron James getting traded by the Lakers, even though it's what Stephen A. is suggesting as he has this week on First Take. I want to announce to the American public that I think the Los Angeles Lakers should strongly consider trading LeBron James. The Los Angeles Lakers, as presently constructed, are going nowhere. He's the only person that has extreme value. You the Lakers, where you going? You got nothing. That was like a press conference at the beginning. <laughs> I am going to defer to you for a moment. Massive Lakers fan, in case you're under, uh, not aware. That's right. Chris Canty is just that. The thought of trading LeBron James at this point, how do you evaluate that as a Lakers fan? It's hard for me to put myself in that place, Carlin, because I know it's not going to happen. They're not trading LeBron James. You can't trade LeBron James. Where does LeBron James want to be in L.A.? And it's not just about what happens on the basketball court. It's about his business interests, too. His net worth has doubled since he's moved out there to the Los Angeles Lakers. So he's not leaving that behind. He's not leaving the Spring Hill Company and all the different things that he's doing in media, all the different things that he's doing in marketing. So forget about that. Clutch Sports will never let that happen. The Lakers will never land another free agent if they decide they're going to trade away LeBron James. That would be franchise malpractice. 
So you got to do the next best thing, which is shop your second best player in Anthony Davis. Now, I know that you're not going to get the return on investment. You're not going to get back close to what it costs you to get AD in the first place. But in order to move your program forward, that's the direction that you got to go. I would argue, though, if you're LeBron and you hear who's going to be involved in the coaching search, as we do from Woj right now, ESPN's NBA insider, maybe you really need to reevaluate your position with the Lakers. This is very much a committee in L.A., putting together this coaching search. And uh, one person who is certainly significantly involved in this process is Phil Jackson. He's got a voice in this. He did last time when they hired Frank Vogel. He was, you know, he and uh, Kurt Rambis, he had uh, he had been somebody they had considered with the Knicks before hiring uh, Derek Fisher in New York. I actually looked to my left in think that I saw your spirit break in the span of the last 22 seconds I, I don't when un- you hear that. I don't understand why Jeannie Buss keeps going back to the well with these same individuals on how to get her team straightened out. The Rambi, as you have called The Rambi is a problem. Curtin Linda Rambis is a problem. <laughs> like, when it's plural, you drop the ass, it's the Rambi. Like, the Rambi, and now we got the Triangle Master and Phil Jackson coming around. There's too many shapes involved with this whole thing. It's too many cooks in the kitchen. They need to have a clear direction, Carlin, and that's been the Lakers' problem since after they won that championship in the bubble. They don't have a direction in terms of what their future is going to look like. Now, admittedly, AD derailed a lot of that because of his injuries over the course of the last three years. He's got to be healthier, and if he's proven that he can't stay healthy, then you got to get what you can get from him, move off of him, and see how you can move your team forward. And to me, it's stripping it down around LeBron James. LeBron is not going to like it, because he's not going to be able to compete at a championship level in the twilight of his career. But so what? LeBron, you chose to be here for more than just basketball. It's off-the-field, off-the-court interest, which is really the impetus for you coming out to L.A. So you're going to have to deal with what it looks like, the team crumbling around you. So right now, what we're saying is LeBron, they, got, it, LeBron it, got Lakers his chip already. Their he, chip he got, already. He, got, he accomplished Even though it was he, a summer camp He accomplished what he came to accomplish yeah. with the Lakers, which is winning a championship. So he's now it's not rings. the biggest priority. He's got four rings and three of them uh, with different franchises. So he's got that done. There's nothing else for LeBron to prove in that regard. But LeBron's going to have to be comfortable being an afterthought when it comes to what's happening on the basketball court during the NBA season. I don't know if he's cool with that, but that's going to be the reality. But if you're LeBron at this point and winning a championship is not the most important thing to you anymore, and being in L.A. is much more important to that, yeah. is that really fair to the organization at that point? Well, it is what it is. What, what, do, you want, what do you want me to say? It is what it is. Well, it is what it is, but at some point... Well, at the end, if of you're the organization, at, why are we? Why do we have you here if this is not what your priority is? Well, listen. At the end of Kobe Bryant's career with the Los Angeles Lakers, it was all crumbling around him. They didn't decide they were going to try to trade Kobe. That oh, was but Kobe and LeBron are mu- two much different it's things. It's a much different when it comes to the it's Lakers. It's a much different thing. And Kobe. Is and you tell me a, if I'm wrong. No, here. LeBron's Kobe, a mercenary. The, LeBron's a mercenary, and Kobe is considered yeah. home. Kobe is the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. But all I'm simply saying is this. Sometimes it gets uncomfortable for superstars at the end because the team has to do what's in the best interest of the franchise. And the Lakers, very quietly, have already shown you that that's the direction that they're moving toward. Remember at the trade deadline, LeBron and Clutch Sports were pushing Rob Palenka to move that 2027 first-round pick and trade Russell Westbrook off the roster and bring back a piece that could help that year. They didn't do that. 
And they're not going to do that because that's going to be a really valuable pick for the Lakers in the future. They're going to need that pick. So they're already showing you that LeBron's best interest is not necessarily going to dictate what this team does moving forward. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, in for Greeny today. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. This week we heard Draymond Green not just after uh, the Game 1 flagrant 2 when he got thrown out of the game, you know, handle himself in a way where he was trying to downplay what he had done and working toward trying to maybe get that taken down to a flagrant one, and then he gets the elbow in the eye in game two. He's bleeding profusely, and the fans in Memphis start booing him mercilessly as he goes off the court, and of course he flips the double bird. Here is Draymond after the game, just to remind fans, in case you haven't heard what he had to say about the whole situation in game two. If you're going to boot somebody who get elbowed in the eye and face running on blood, you should get flipped off. So I'll take the fine. I'll go do an appearance and make up the money. But it felt really good to flip them off. If you're going to boot someone that get elbowed in the eye and blood running down your face, I could have had a concussion or anything. So if they're going to be that nasty, I can be nasty too. And I'm assuming the cheers was because they know I'll get fined. Great, I make $25 million a year. I should be just fine. Okay. <laughs> Draymond flexing on all the fans in Memphis, trying to remind them that his life is better than theirs. And this is a, this is a much bigger picture thing right here than just Draymond and the way he has always been. He's always been antagonistic. This, yeah. is, this is him. He's not wrong with anything he said about fans booing somebody that could have a concussion and is is borderline gushing blood going off the floor. Yeah, absolutely. He is not wrong about about that that at all. But, Chris, I look at the last two months or so, and even in the NBA playoffs and beyond that, we saw an incident at Yankee Stadium a couple of weeks ago where fans are throwing all kinds of stuff at at Guardians outfielders. Mm -hmm. We see where um, John Morant, even last week in Minnesota, says fans are going to be nasty to me, I'm going to be nasty right back after, you know, they were going after him. We saw what happened with Kyrie when he went back to Boston in round one. Exactly. Yeah. And he's flipping off the fans and he's saying, if you do that to me, I'm going to, I'm going to do that right back to you. I do worry right now that given the state of the last couple of years and, frankly, public behavior of people that 
talking about it publicly more from the athlete's standpoint, although not wrong in what they are saying, is just stirring the pot a little bit more. And fans, I feel like we could be headed for another bad incident like we had with Malice at the Palace just because this rhetoric is getting amped up more and more on both sides. Don't get me wrong. On both sides. And the fans are ultimately the ones that are going to be wrong if something like that happens. Carlin, I don't want to dismiss that from potentially happening. I mean, we saw what happened with Dave Chappelle a couple of days ago, right? He, he was at the Hollywood Bowl, and there was a fan yep. that tried to come up on stage with the knife and attack him. So, I mean, anything can happen in any setting when it comes to public figures and entertainers specifically. So I, I don't want to dismiss that possibility, but the NBA is big business, much more so than it was 20 years ago when Malice in the Palace happened. And because of that incident – you have heightened security at these arenas. You have more of a police presence. I just don't see a world where a fan is going to have access to a player in that way where we could have an incident take place where somebody's running up into the stands to punch somebody. Well, I, I'm thinking more in lines of, yes, there is increased security, but there's also more people. That could just become a numbers game. And we could talk about, well, the people in the really good seats may not be doing it. Let me tell you something. Whatever you paid for the seats does not account for intelligence in those spots. Yeah, And but, I'm not talking about yeah, front row. Yeah. I'm talking about the people behind it. Sure. And the people that are right over the entrances mm-hmm. where players are walking on and off. My point to players right now, at least privately, you can feel however you're going to want to feel. I have no issue with that. I think that when you publicly come out and you're chastising fans and you're really furthering it by the way that Draymond does, by the way that Kyrie does. I'm not putting them at fault. I'm just saying there is a responsibility here with their public uh, platform to make sure that you are not making the situation worse with what you See, I disagree with that. When it comes to the platform, players are looking at it from this standpoint. Authenticity is the ultimate currency. And in order for me to monetize my platform and to maximize that, I've got to be who I am, not just on the court, but when it comes to the post-game press conferences, when it comes to interviews that I'm doing, and that is Draymond 100%. That's why people love him. That's why people tune into his podcast, because he is who he is, and he's an edgy kind of guy. He might ruffle a few feathers. He might be polarizing, but people love him for it, Carlin. He's not going to change who he is. So I think you're going to I'm have, not asking think, him to. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. I do think we're going to have more of this rhetoric between yeah. players and fans moving forward, I think it's up to the NBA to try to create a safe environment where their entertainment product can come across to the masses and nobody is in jeopardy when we got these games going on. That's on the NBA. I don't think it's on the players, and we've certainly seen that fans aren't going to change their behavior. And to be clear, I'm not just talking about the NBA. I'm talking about all sports right now. I'm talking about it. it it's just we talk about the NBA because there is the access to the court that – kind of exist the closeness of the fans to it but if, I, if you see how that fan got lumped up at the Chappelle yeah. concert you're probably not going to be running up on an NBA court anytime soon I understand it's still an <laughs> issue that's my problem thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio and see it with the video on ESPN plus also catch Greeny on get up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast